O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Monday, June 14th. Journey with me through the entire Bible in one year, focusing on the biblical calendar, the Sabbath, the feasts, and the Torah reading cycle. We have many voices, interpretations, and points of view out there, but there is nothing like listening to the crystal clean, pure Word of God in your life. It is living water for your spirit, as it is written in Romans 10:17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. When we listen to the spoken Word of God, it is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 The Word of God is alive, it is powerful, and it renews our mind and builds up our spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Hukat, and it means ordinances. Numbers 19, 15-22 Any open container in the tent that was not covered with a lid is also defiled. And if someone in an open field touches the corpse of someone who was killed with a sword, or who died a natural death, or if someone touches a human bone or a grave, that person will be defiled for seven days. To remove the defilement, put some of the ashes from the burnt purification offering in a jar and pour fresh water over them. Then someone who is ceremonially clean must take a hyssop branch and dip it into the water. That person must sprinkle the water on the tent, on all the furnishings in the tent, and on the people who were in the tent, also on the person who touched a human bone or touched someone who was killed or who died naturally, or touched a grave. On the third and seventh days, the person who is ceremonially clean must sprinkle the water on those who are defiled. Then on the seventh day, the people being cleansed must wash their clothes and bathe themselves, and that evening they will be cleansed of their defilement. 
But those who become defiled and do not purify themselves will be cut off from the community, for they have defiled the sanctuary of the Lord. Since the water of purification has not been sprinkled on them, they remain defiled. This is a permanent law for the people. Those who sprinkle the water of purification must afterward wash their clothes, and anyone who then touches the water used for purification will remain defiled until evening. Anything and anyone that a defiled person touches will be ceremonially unclean until evening. First Kings twelve twenty to thirteen thirty four. When the people of Israel learned of Jeroboam's return from Egypt, they called an assembly and made him king over all Israel. So only the tribe of Judah remained loyal to the family of David. When Rehoboam arrived at Jerusalem, he mobilized the men of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin, 180,000 select troops, to fight against the men of Israel and to restore the kingdom to himself. But God said to Shemaiah, the man of God, Say to Rehoboam, son of Solomon, king of Judah, and to all the people of Judah and Benjamin, and to the rest of the people, This is what the Lord says. Do not fight against your relatives, the Israelites. Go back home, for what has happened is my doing. So they obeyed the message of the Lord and went home, as the Lord had commanded. Jeroboam then built up the city of Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, and it became his capital. Later he went and built up the town of Peniel. Jeroboam thought to himself, Unless I am careful, the kingdom will return to the dynasty of David. When these people go to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices at the temple of the Lord, They will again give their allegiance to King Rehoboam of Judah. They will kill me and make him their king instead. So on the advice of his counselors, the king made two golden calves. He said to the people, It is too much trouble for you to worship in Jerusalem. Look, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of Egypt. He placed these calf idols in Bethel and in Dan at either end of his kingdom. But this became a great sin, for the people worshipped the idols, traveling as far north as Dan to worship the one there. Jeroboam also erected buildings at the pagan shrines and ordained priests from the common people, those who were not from the priestly tribe of Levi. And Jeroboam instituted a religious festival in Bethel, held on the fifteenth day of the eighth month, in imitation of the annual festival of Sukkot in Judah. There at Bethel he himself offered sacrifices to the calves he had made, and he appointed priests for the pagan shrines he had made. So on the fifteenth day of the eighth month, a day that he himself had designated, Jeroboam offered sacrifices on the altar at Bethel. He instituted a religious festival for Israel, and he went up to the altar to burn incense. 
At the Lord's command, a man of God from Judah went to Bethel, arriving there just as Jeroboam was approaching the altar to burn incense. Then, at the Lord's command, he shouted, O altar, altar, this is what the Lord says, A child named Josiah will be born into the dynasty of David. On you he will sacrifice the priests from the pagan shrines who come here to burn incense, and human bones will be burned on you. That same day the man of God gave a sign to prove his message. He said, The Lord has promised to give this sign. This altar will split apart, and its ashes will be poured out on the ground. When King Jeroboam heard the man of God speaking against the altar at Bethel, he pointed at him and shouted, Seize that man! But instantly the king's hand became paralyzed in that position, and he couldn't pull it back. At the same time, a wide crack appeared in the altar, and the ashes poured out just as the man of God had predicted in his message from the Lord. The king cried out to the man of God, Please ask the Lord your God to restore my hand again. So the man of God prayed to Yahweh, and the king's hand was restored, and he could move it again. Then the king said to the man of God, Come to the palace with me and have something to eat, and I will give you a gift. But the man of God said to the king, Even if you gave me half of everything you own, I would not go with you. I would not eat or drink anything in this place. For Yahweh gave me this command, You must not eat or drink anything while you are there, and do not return to Judah by the same way you came. So he left Bethel and went home another way. As it happened, there was an old prophet living in Bethel, and his sons came home and told him what the man of God had done in Bethel that day. They also told their father what the man had said to the king. The old prophet asked them, Which way did he go? So they showed their father which road the man of God had taken. Quick, saddle the donkey, the old man said. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he mounted it. Then he rode after the man of God and found him sitting under a great tree. The old prophet asked him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? Yes, I am, he replied. Then he said to the man of God, Come home with me and eat some food. No, I cannot, he replied. I am not allowed to eat or drink anything here in this place. For the Lord gave me this command, You must not eat or drink anything while you are there, and do not return to Judah by the same way you came. But the old prophet answered, I am a prophet also, just as you are. And an angel gave me this command from the Lord, Bring him home with you, so he can have something to eat and drink. But the old man was lying to him. So they went back together, and the man of God ate and drank at the prophet's home. Then, while they were sitting at the table, a command from the Lord came to the old prophet. He cried out to the man of God from Judah, This is what the Lord says, You have defied the word of the Lord and have disobeyed the command Yahweh your Elohim gave you. You came back to this place and ate and drank where he told you not to eat or drink. Because of this, your body will not be buried in the grave of your ancestors. After the man of God had finished eating and drinking, the old prophet saddled his own donkey for him. And the man of God started off again. But as he was traveling along, a lion came out and killed him. His body lay there on the road, while the donkey and the lion standing beside it. 
people who passed by saw the body lying in the road and the lion standing beside it, and they went and reported it in Bethel, where the old prophet lived. When the prophet heard the report, he said, It is the man of God who disobeyed the Lord's command. The Lord has fulfilled his word by causing the lion to attack and kill him. Then the prophet said to his sons, Saddle a donkey for me. So they saddled a donkey, and he went out and found the body lying in the road. The donkey and the lion were still standing there beside it, for the lion had not eaten the body nor attacked the donkey. So the prophet laid the body of the man of God on the donkey and took it back to the town to mourn over him and bury him. He laid the body in his own grave, crying out in grief, O my brother! Afterward the prophet said to his sons, When I die, bury me in the grave where the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the message the Lord told him to proclaim against the altar in Bethel and against the pagan shrines in the towns of Samaria will certainly come true. But even after this, Jeroboam did not return from his evil ways. He continued to choose priests from the common people. He appointed anyone who wanted to become a priest for the pagan shrines. This became a great sin and resulted in the utter destruction of Jeroboam's dynasty from the face of the earth. Acts 9, 26-43 When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to to Damascus, and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Yeshua in Damascus. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. When the believers heard about this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus, his hometown. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. Meanwhile, Peter traveled from place to place, and he came down to visit the believers in the town of Lydda. There he met a man named Aeneas, who had been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Yeshua heals you. Get up and roll up your sleeping mat. And he was healed instantly. Then the whole population of Lydia and Sharon saw Aeneas walking around, and they turned to the Lord. There was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. About this time she became ill and died. Her body was washed for burial and laid in an upstairs room. But the believers had heard that Peter was nearby at Lydda, so they sent two men to beg him, Please come as soon as possible. So Peter returned with them, and as soon as he arrived they took him to the upstairs room. 
The room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and other clothes Dorcas had made for them. But Peter asked them all to leave the room. Then he knelt and prayed. Turning to the body, he said, Get up, Tabitha. And she opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then he called in the widows and all the believers, and he presented her to them alive. The news spread through the whole town, and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed a long time in Joppa, living with Simon, a tanner of hides. Psalm 132, 1-18 Lord, remember David and all that he suffered. He made a solemn promise to the Lord. He vowed to the Mighty One of Israel, I will not go home, I will not let myself rest, I will not let my eyes sleep, nor close my eyelids in slumber, until I find a place to build a house for the Lord, a sanctuary for the Mighty One of Israel. We heard that the ark was in Epathra. Then we found it in the distant countryside of Jair. Let us go to the sanctuary of the Lord. Let us worship at the footstool of his throne. Arise, O Yahweh, and enter your resting place, along with the ark, the symbol of your power. May your priests be clothed in godliness, May your loyal servants sing for joy. For the sake of your servant David, do not reject the king you have anointed. The Lord swore on oath to David with a promise he will never take back. I will place one of your descendants on your throne. If your descendants obey the terms of my covenant and the laws that I teach them, then your royal line will continue forever and ever. For the Lord has chosen Jerusalem. He has desired it for his home. This is my resting place forever, he said. I will live here, for this is the home I desired. I will bless the city and make it prosperous. I will satisfy its poor with food. I will clothe its priests with godliness. Its faithful servants will sing for joy. Here I will increase the power of David. My anointed one will be a light for my people. I will clothe his enemies with shame, but he will be a glorious king. Proverbs 17.6 Grandchildren are the crowning glory of the aged. Parents are the pride of their children. I'd like to speak to you from 1 Kings chapter 12, and then we're going to jump into today's proverb. In 1 Kings chapter 12, we see the kingdom split happen between northern and southern kingdom, between Jeroboam and Rehoboam, Solomon's son. Rehoboam becomes now the king of the southern kingdom, also known as the house of Judah. And Jeroboam becomes the king of the northern kingdom, also known as the house of Joseph or Ephraim or the house of Israel. So then what happens with this northern kingdom? What direction do they go in? 
In 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 25, it is written, Jeroboam then built up the city of Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, and it became his capital. Later he went up and built the town of Peniel. Ancient Shechem today is known as modern-day Nablus, and it is now under 100% Palestinian control. It is nestled between Mount, two different mountains, Mount Ebal and the other Mount of Blessing. And so it's down in the valley. And there is a road that goes to Shechem. There's a huge red sign that says, both in English and in Hebrew, no Jew is allowed to go into this city. Any Jew that goes down this road into the city, it's on pain of death. So Jews are not allowed to go into Shechem or Nablus. This is also where Joseph's tomb is. Um, and so on rare occasions, maybe once a year, the Jews are allowed to go into Nablus. Um, and they come to the tomb of Joseph, where Joseph's bones are buried. So continuing on in 1 Kings chapter 12, verses 28 and 29. So on the advice of his counselors, the king made two golden calves, and he said to the people, It is too much trouble for you to worship in Jerusalem. Look, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of Egypt. He placed these golden calves in Bethel and in Dan at either end of his kingdom. So the northern kingdom went back to that sin of golden calf worship that we saw happen when the Ten Commandments were given at Mount Sinai. And so there was a tendency, an innate um, characteristic, to lean towards false worship, towards um, idolatry. And this characteristic, the northern kingdom is the non-Jewish part of the nation of Israel. So the whole house of Israel is comprised of all 12 tribes. So the last time we had one house, one united house of Israel, was under the kingship of King David and King Solomon. But then King Solomon's son, Rehoboam, under his reign, that's when the kingdom split. And this, this kingdom has been split ever since. So the northern kingdom, the non-Jewish part of the nation of Israel, in their characteristics as a people, they are people who tend to go into false worship, into idolatry, to worship other gods. And isn't that true of us today? As we awaken and return to our, the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith, many of us have come out of um, golden calf worship, so to speak. And we weren't aware of it, but that's what we were doing. Um, having Christmas tree. That's false, fake worship. It's idolatry. It's an ashtoreth tree. Um, worshiping on the wrong day instead of on Shabbat, which is Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown. There's just many things. I'll just let the Holy Spirit show you as you pray about it. What are some of the... Um, idolatry items that have been a part of my own life personally. Perhaps it's before you even got saved. 
most of us were into idolatry before we got saved, before we came to know Yeshua. Anything that we pursue and are passionate about and love that is equal to or above our love for God is an idol of the heart. So it can be workaholism. It can be uh, idolizing a career or a favorite sports figure, a favorite Hollywood figure, a bank account. It can be we idolize our children or a spouse. Anything that we love and pursue equal to or above God becomes an idol of the heart. Now, there's another characteristic of the northern kingdom that I want to point out to you, and that's in 1 Kings 12, 32 and 33. And Jeroboam instituted a religious festival in Bethel, held on the 15th day of the 8th month, in imitation of the annual festival of Sukkot in Judah. There at Bethel he himself offered sacrifices to the calves he had made, and he appointed priests for the pagan shrines he had made. So on the fifteenth day of the eighth month, a day that he himself had designated, Jeroboam offered sacrifices on the altar at Bethel. He instituted a religious festival for Israel, and he went up to the altar to burn incense. The principle of these two verses is this. Jeroboam basically changed the biblical calendar. Now, normally, uh, Sukkot, the Feast of Sukkot, is celebrated on the 15th day of the seventh month, and it goes for eight full days. Well, seven full days, and then the eighth day is the last high holy day. So Jeroboam took it upon himself to just change the calendar. Well, let's just do it on the eighth month instead of the seventh month. And this is the principle and a characteristic of the northern kingdom people is that instead of following God's biblical calendar, they have just made up their own rules as they went. And at the Council of Nicaea in Rome, um, I think it was maybe in 300, 400 AD, um, a bunch of the elders of the church of that time made decisions to change the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday and a whole bunch of other decisions that they wanted nothing to do with the biblical feasts that are outlined for us in Leviticus. And so it was just a arbitrary decision made by man in total violation of what the Word of God says. In one of the Big Ten, the Ten Commandments, it says very clearly, honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you can work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. And the Sabbath day is Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown. So it was man's dictates that changed things from Shabbat over to Sunday. It was an arbitrary decision, and it was in total violation of the Word of God. But this is a characteristic of the northern kingdom. The house of Israel, also known as the house of Joseph, is that Not only are they idolatrous, but they changed up the calendar and arbitrarily set new calendar dates. Um, So that's what I wanted to point out to you. And in our returning to the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith, part of our journey is we begin in repentance. We come in humility because we see we have been walking our own way instead of walking God's way. 
and we want to honor our Lord. We want to love Him. And how do we love Him? If you love me, said Yeshua, then obey my commands. Yeshua Himself kept the Shabbat. He kept the feasts. And He added only one new command to all of the 613 commands from the uh, Hebrew Scriptures. He said, One new commandment I give to you, to love one another as I have loved you. We are to love one another deeply with all our heart, especially those who are difficult to love, especially those who don't return our love. That's what sets us apart, his light and his love. Have a blessed day. Adonai The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.